let us get right into the word as we finish um, the second part of lesson one. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to give a really quick recap. A really quick recap of what we went over last week for those that are just joining us for the first time. I'll spend the first couple of minutes, not too long, um, on the first lesson. Amen. And so the Bible says this in the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. The Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord. They told them to believe. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before him. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Uh, tonight we're going to be finishing lesson one of what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for this time, Father, that you allow us to be in your presence. And we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, we ask you to open up our hearts and our minds and our understanding to your word today, Lord, so that it can fall on good ground today, Lord, so that we can be equipped, Father, and be victorious in winning souls for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for, again for uh, joining us. Last week, amen, we started uh, lesson one of a series that's going to take us throughout the rest of the year, amen, in a uh, reason uh, of our hope, amen. We all have a reason for our hope. We all have a reason for what we believe in, amen. And we should know why we believe what we believe and, and why we do what we do, amen, right? We just don't do it just because. Uh, there's a reason behind anything that we do, uh, even in life. Amen. There's a, a reason for it. Amen. But this particular lesson right here is dealing with a certain individual 
who was a, uh, a CO, a correction officer, I, I, you know, if you will, I guess you could say, um, in a prison where Paul and Silas were at. And the Bible talks about how in the midnight hour they began to worship, uh, you know, in their circumstance after being beaten and whipped. And uh, it was a bad place. Those jails were not like the jails that we have here today or not like the prisons that we have here uh, today. Nothing like them. And so uh, they were in a really bad place in their life. Amen. And, and it was all due to uh, spreading the gospel. It was all due to uh, doing the work of the Lord. Amen. That were being chastised and whipped and beat and thrown into prison. Amen. But, you know, that's what they, they weren't uh, uh, mad about it. They weren't upset about it. They weren't complaining in the cell about how bad their situation was. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says they began to sing. They began to worship and they began to praise. And when they did that, amen, uh, the Bible says that the ground began to shake and the doors opened up. And the guard that was there thought that everybody had taken off. Amen. And because of that, uh, he, he assumed right away he was going to lose his job or uh, uh, the Romans were going to kill him for allowing these people to escape. Amen. So right away he turned the sword on himself and uh, Paul yelled out from inside the cell and says, hey, you know, don't do no harm to yourself. We're in here. You know, we didn't go nowhere. Amen. And, um, but nevertheless, amen, they did end up getting out of that prison that night because the, uh, uh, the Lord had actually opened those doors for them to be freed. And in all of that and everything that happened, uh, a man was converted. Amen. A man saw and believed and was like, man, that's, you know, uh, I know about some gods, but I don't know a God that can do that kind of stuff. Amen. And so, you know, uh, he was uh, amazed. He was astonished at, at what was happening. And, and right away he ran in and says, hey, what must I do to be saved? You know, uh, uh, and so um, as the story goes, the Bible says he took him home. He met his family. And the Bible says at first he believed, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people stop at just believing, you know, well, he just believed. Well, you have to believe in order to receive. Can you say amen? And so the minute he, the Bible says he believed, they said they sat down and it began to teach the word to him just as, as it's happening today. He says, do you believe? Yes, I believe. Okay, well, let's get down. Let's get into it. Let's get into the scriptures. Let's get into the word. Amen. And so, uh, uh because it, it didn't stop at just believing, Amen. Um, uh, and so he began to teach the word to him. And, and uh, the Bible says that after that, all of him and his whole family were baptized. Amen. In Jesus' name. And uh, it wasn't just the baptism that saved him. It was the fact that he, he believed. It was the fact that he had faith. It was the fact that he, that he uh, um, uh, was moved by the word. And, and it was that he... he, he uh, he was led by the word and he believed it. And so he did it. He put what he believed and what he learned into action. Amen. And so um, all of that combined, amen, was why him and his family were saved. Amen. We can't get uh, uh, lost in the idea that it was just the baptism. Amen. Uh, and so as we looked at, at the first part of lesson one last week, uh, we talked about a bunch of scriptures. We went over 16 scriptures, and a lot of the scriptures, they had to do with uh, 
uh, having faith and being saved by grace and having hope and enduring, amen, and, and confessing and, and baptism. And uh, there were many, many scriptures, amen, that had to do with being saved. And, and right there, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people that, that use one scripture, amen, they'll use one scripture or they'll use two scriptures or, or just three scriptures from every scripture that has to do with being saved in the Bible, amen, for their salvation, amen. And so we, we learned last week that we are in great error, amen, that we are doing a huge disservice to ourselves and to somebody else when we don't do, when we don't apply all of the scriptures that have to do with salvation. And I'm going to go so far as to say this, that you and I, that you that are sitting here and you that are watching online, you and I have to, the Bible says, rightly divide the word of God so that we can find out which scriptures pertain to us in this time and in this dispensation. Amen. And I, I know I talked a, a little bit about that last week, about the dispensations. And I think that uh, I'm going to start to put together a, a lesson on the dispensations because I know that some people are looking at me like, what? Uh, not the whole, the whole Bible doesn't pertain to me. It does. It just doesn't pertain to you when it comes to salvation. Amen. The whole Bible pertains to us. We got to do it all. We got to take it all. We got to apply it all. Amen. We got to take the good and, and throw away the bad. Amen. And it's all there for a lesson. Amen. For, for, uh, for us to live upright lives, right? Uh, uh, righteous lives, godly lives. But there is a portion, amen, there is a dispensation that pertains to us. And in that dispensation, it'll give you the plan of salvation for us, the Gentiles, amen. But I want to continue going on, amen, because we saw that. And I had told you guys that we had to do all those 16 scriptures, amen. And, and I know that it seems a little um, uh, tedious and may seem, man, it's going to be hard. It's a a high climb, a mountain to climb. But when you uh, step into God's faith, when you step into this thing, you're going to find very quickly that a lot of those things, by the time you get to baptism or by the time you get to the Holy Ghost or in your time of repenting, amen, you're going to find that a lot of those scriptures, you're already applying them to your life and you're already doing them. How many of you believe? If you're here, it's because you believe. So you can put a check mark right by that scripture already. That one's done. How many of you have faith? We all have faith. You're all here. Bam. You can put a check mark right there. How many of you, uh, uh, after you believe, confess to the Lord that he is the Lord of your life? Amen. And you accepted him into your life. Amen. As, uh, uh, as your Lord and Savior. Amen. We all did, right? When it... So you already, when you, if I continue going on down the line and baptism and Holy Ghost and, and, and living an upright life and doing all these things and, and knowing that we're saved by grace, amen, that we've already accomplished a lot of these, just coming to the Lord, you're already uh, uh, doing a lot of these scriptures, amen. There are some that, that um, uh, take work, that, that, that take action, amen, that that are action. And we're going to get into that uh, here in part two as we get into the second part, which is the progressive steps towards our salvation. We're going to start in faith. Amen. Um, that's the first one right there. First progressive step. 
Something that's progressive is something that is chipped away at, something that, that continues to go on. Can you say amen? And so from the Bible, we learn that it is essential to believe in God, to believe God and his word, or we will never take a positive step towards being saved. Okay? We need to believe. That is the first essential uh, step towards our salvation. Okay? Faith is an absolute prerequisite in coming to God. Yet faith in the sense of mental belief or assent is insufficient to obtain salvation from sin. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. In, in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and by hearing of the word of God. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, In whom you also trusted, and in whom also after that you believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, when you look at that word faith, the other word that is attached to it, amen, that, it, that is a, a synonym, amen, of it, I said it right this time, that is a, a synonym of that word, which is faith, is believe, amen. The Bible says that those that come to God must believe. You have to believe. How many of you go into a place or how many of you do things that you don't believe in? Right? I'm sure that everybody that is sitting here today or that's watching online, before they do anything... They believe in what they're doing. They believe it's the right thing to do. They believe uh, that they can accomplish it. They believe that they can, they can get the job done. I never started something and sat there and says, well, I'm going to do it, but I don't believe I'm going to finish. I'm going to do it, but I don't believe I'm going to accomplish it. Most of us that are sitting here are smart enough to think that, hey, if I start something, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to leave it halfway and you're going you're gonna to toil and you're going to put work into it and you're going to put sweat into it. You're going to put resources into it. You're going to sacrifice whatever you need to do, right? Because you believe in it. And so, so it is when we come to God. Amen. We must believe that he is who the Bible says he is. Otherwise, look, let us... Let us just say that, let's start in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, in number 1 right there in your notes. Everywhere it says faith, let's just put the word believe. We're not rewriting the Bible, okay? Don't say, Pastor, you know, we were in church today and he rewrote the Bible. That's not what I'm doing. What, I, what, what I'm doing is, what I'm doing is I'm saying that faith means to believe, Right? 
That's what it means. And so if the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that without belief, listen, without belief, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible to please anybody if you don't believe in them. Right? And so what God is saying is that without belief, it is impossible to please him. So for those that come to God must believe that he is, he is what? He's whatever you need him to be. He's your healer. He's your counselor. He's your banker. He's your provider. He's your protector. He's your shield. He's your buckler, the Bible says. Whatever you need him to be, he is. And if you believe that, the Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. You know when you lose your keys to the car? What do you do? You go out and you look for your keys and you're already kind of late for work. You're barely making it. You're one of those that, that shows up right when it, you know, 8 o'clock and it's 7.59 and you walk in the door. Hey, everybody, how you guys doing? Right? But if you lose your keys or something happens, you're all over the place. You're turning over the conchones on the couches. You're moving them. You're texting people and you're looking around, right? You're diligently looking. How many of you, how many of you have left to your job and forgot your phone and drove all the way back to get your phone and made yourself late because of your phone? I'm guilty of it. I've done it. Because the world doesn't go around, amen, if you don't got your phone in your pocket. Amen. You got to you, you text, you know, the honey pie during the day. Amen. No, you guys, you guys don't text your wives during the day. Only I do. Amen. And, and so, so when we lose something, we're diligently looking for it. And we're not going to stop. Because if I lose my key fob to my truck, I'm not going to pay three or four hundred bucks for a new one. I'm going to turn the house upside down to find that thing, right? Because those things are expensive. And so that's how God wants us to seek after him. That's how he wants us to believe in him so much that we're going to seek him diligently and if we do he says i'm going to reward you for it okay so let's move on to the next one john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish in romans 10 17 so then believing listen to this so that we know that it says so then faith cometh by hearing but if Believing is the same as faith. The Bible says, so then believing comes by what? Hearing. I don't know of anybody that believes something without either seeing it or hearing about it. Amen? Most people want to see it. Most people want to touch it. Most people want to, you know, you hear about it. 
right? And so the Bible says that faith, so then believing comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it uses the word believe. In whom you also trusted and in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so we see in these verses that we have to believe in order for us to take those progressive steps towards salvation. Because that's the ultimate goal here today, church. And for those of you that are watching online, that's the ultimate goal is for us to be saved. It does nobody no good to come to church time after time and and to get into God's word. And we don't take those progressive steps to seal our destination, amen, To, to, to seal our salvation, to put the stamp. Uh, uh, of approval so that when God comes for his church, we can all be caught up in the air with him. But there are some progressive steps that you and I need to take. And the first one, walking into this thing, first things first, we got to believe the individual that you're going to talk to and and, and y'all are going to be home Bible study teachers after all of this information we're giving you. I hope you guys hit the road running, hit the, the pavement running in January and, and, and want to be excited about giving home Bible studies. But the first thing that you got to get people to do is believe in your God. They got to believe in your God. And how do they believe in it? The Bible says that we shall overcome and be saved by the power of our testimony. Right? People believe that Ernie serves a big God because of where he came from and where God pulled him out. People believe in Greg's God. People believe in in Richard's God. People believe in my God. People believe in your God because they know your testimony and what God did. Amen. But it all started with faith. It all started with believing. Okay? And so once we come to God and and we take that progressive step to move forward in our faith and believe, amen, right away we have to go into a mode of repentance. Everybody say repentance. We got to repent. We can't be acting the same way in the church as we were before we came. Now I get it. Somebody walks in for the first time and they're, they're here a couple months, right? And they're barely adjusting and they're, they're barely learning and they're, they're barely, they're getting on board and their faith is real small. They got small faith, right? Because they haven't heard too much of the word or, or, or they're, you know, they're a baby in Christ and they're, they're just crawling. Amen. They're not even walking yet. They're crawling and they're still drinking a bottle. Amen. Uh, but once they're, they start gaining traction, amen, they have to start changing the way that they act. They have to start changing the way. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, right? And then he says, be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So we can't be in the church for five years and, 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 and 10 years and 15 years and still thinking like and acting like the same way we were when we first walked in. The baby eventually, you don't, you don't see a 20-year-old baby crawling, right? Well, you won't see a 20-year-old baby. It's not even a baby. It's 20 years, But they won't be crawling, 
You see a 12-year-old walking around with a bottle? No. Or wearing a diaper. Can you imagine a brother Ernie walked in on Sunday with a diaper on? And a chupon in his mouth? But you see, that's how some Christians are after five years and 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. In the spirit, not physically. Don't do it, brother. But in the, but in the spirit, right? That's how they're walking around. And they, they run and they have to run and jump up and sit on the feet, on the thing. And their feet are dangling, you know, because they're still babies, infants, because they haven't renewed their mind they're still thinking the same way they're still doing the same things they're still acting the the same part amen no growth and so all of that is is we have to repent from all of that and turn away from it and move away from it let's continue on in the lesson repentance repentance is one of the cardinal doctrines of the bible it is an action okay Repentance is an action on our part in response to God's grace. And because of our belief that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen. And so repentance is an about face. You're walking in one direction and you're doing a certain thing and you're acting a certain way and then a light turns on. Right? You came into the house of the Lord and you heard a word and it pricked your heart or, or somebody witnessed to you out there in the street or somebody shared a testimony or something happened and you heard something and your faith was like, whoa, hold on a second. I shouldn't be walking in this direction. It's bad for me. I'm going to get hurt. Right? And so it's a, an inward change in our mind, but an outward reaction. Amen? So we make it up in our mind and we turn around and we walk in a different direction, living a different life. That's what repentance is. Can you say amen? It's an about face. It's an inward decision with an outward expression. Right? Like just recently, I made an inward decision to start dieting again. Amen. And so, why are y'all laughing? And so the outward expression is now I'm down seven pounds. Amen. I look leaner, don't I? Amen. Is that a, that's an extra large. <laughs> I, went from, I went from triple to extra. And so, so that's what repentance is. It's an, it's an inward decision with an outward expression okay and this right here is powerful how many of you know what the message has been all along since the beginning huh salvation the message from the beginning up until now has always been to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the reason that it's repentance is because you and I, unless we repent 
of our lifestyle and the things that we do that don't line up with this, not line up with me, not my rules, not my ways, because my ways are not God's ways, and my thoughts are not God's thoughts. So our life has to line up with the Word of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And you got to check it. You, you know, there's a lot of fake news. You got to fact check it. Amen. You got to go back and check and see if, if that's correct in the word of God and if it's in its proper context. Amen. And so the first, first message that came on the scene was repentance. And so repentance demonstrates that we believe God and his word. For God's word plainly and simply teaches that we must repent it's a simple message you know a lot of people try to make it you know you don't need a uh to be a doctor you don't need to have a degree in theology god's word is simple we make it hard we make it difficult but the message was simply to repent that's what it was from the beginning Change your ways. All the way back from the prophets, Nehemiah and Isaiah and Jeremiah, what did they come on board saying? Repent. Repent. Change your ways. Change your life. Stop doing what you're doing because God's coming. And so we find that right here in the book of Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. The Bible says, unless you repent, you're going to perish. That's what it says. That's not my words. Those are the words of the Lord. That unless a person repents, they're going to perish. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says to repent and do what? Believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news. That's the gospel. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know why he said that? Because there was a lot of Pharisees that were there that claimed that they didn't need Jesus. I don't need you. I'm not bad. I'm not evil. And so God says, I didn't come for you. I didn't come for the ones that think they don't need me. You know, how many of you go to the doctor and, and run your, your, your uh, uh, medical uh, insurance and all that stuff when you're not sick? Who goes to the doctor when they're not sick? Who goes to go get glasses when you don't need them? None of us. We go to the doctor because we're sick. We go get eyeglasses because we need to see, right? Our vision is all off. Amen. And so God says, hey, I didn't come for those that think they're all right. I came for those that know that they're sinners and they need me. Amen. So he's calling all sinners to repent. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, the Bible says, but now who? God commands all men. Where? Everywhere. To repent. All nations. 
Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, but God is patient to us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all, not some, that all should come to a place of repentance. In Luke chapter 24 and 47, the Bible says that repentance and remission of sins. What's remission of sins? How do we obtain remission of sins? How do we have our sins forgiven? Baptism. He's back there going like this. (laughs) Baptism. So if we know that remission of sins is through baptism, the scripture should read like this, or I shouldn't say should, but, and that repentance and baptism should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. In Acts 2.38, we find out how to have our sins remitted. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so the, the, the bottom line is this, church. The bottom line is that When we believe, we must repent. That's the most simple message that you're ever going to get from the Word of God. Is that when we believe, we must repent. Repentance primarily means to have a change of mind and a change of heart. And it consists of feeling sorry for our sins and asking God to forgive us. Of all of our sins. You notice right there how it says feeling sorry for our sins. Not repenting because we got caught. You know, we, it's good, great, yes, wonderful. If you get caught doing something you shouldn't be doing, accept responsibility. Make amends. Ask for forgiveness. Amen. But a lot of times, people only wait until they're caught. True repentance and true remorse is not waiting until you get caught by the Lord or your covers get pulled. It's, hey, Lord, I did this and I'm sorry. It's confession time. Because we know that the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is just and He is faithful to forgive us of our sins. So the minute we open our mouth, it's already been forgiven by God. Now, people is another thing, right? Uh, But by God, it's instantaneous. Amen. If you're baptized already, amen. If you're not, then we need to get you baptized. Amen. But moreover, in repentance, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And in fulfilling this confession... We make an about face and live according to his will. How many of you remember last week when I talked about that tent meeting that I went, uh, uh, that that I was invited to? How many of you remember that? Well, we were there at the tent meeting and the the preacher man was there and and, uh, he began to call everybody in from the street. Amen. And there was a lot of people there. It was in the inner city. And there was a lot of people there. They were back there in the street. They were drinking. They were doing their thing. And they were, you know, uh, 
Uh, and, and as they brought all these individuals forward, I, I witnessed it with my eyes, how they were putting bottles of, of whatever they were drinking on the floor, and they were hiding it, and they were putting it behind the trees, and they were doing certain things, those that came to the altar. And I remember them coming to the altar, and the, uh, uh, the preacher man asking them if, if, uh, if they want to accept Christ into the heart, and if they believed that all they had to do was confess, and all they had to do was pray this prayer. And uh, I remember that that pastor, after everybody lifted up their hand, there was about a hundred or so or more. They lifted their hands and, and they, they confessed and they accepted. And that's great. That's wonderful. You have to do that. Amen. You have to uh, accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And you have to believe and you have to have faith in somebody and in something greater than you, which is God. Amen. But they turned around and they, they walked away and they picked up their uh, bottles of liquor. They picked up their stuff that they were doing. They picked up their cigarettes and they picked up all their stuff. And they went back there and they continued on doing whatever they were doing before they were called to the platform. Uh, but with the mentality of, hey, I'm saved. You know, I, they were back, man, I got saved. And yeah, brother, you're saved. Sister, you're saved. And, and, and they went from, hey, you come here to now brother and sister. And, and, and everybody was saved. But I asked myself, did that individual truly repent? Was there a true repentance in the heart of that individual? Because remember, a true repentance is a change, an inward change in your mind that I'm going to put that down and I'm not going to go back to it. But most of them went back to it. And so repentance is not just believing. We can't just come to the Lord and believe. Amen. There are more things that we have to do Otherwise, let's, let's think about it like this. If that was all that we needed, do we need a church? If I called a thousand people up to the platform and I said, lift up your hands and say this prayer and believe, you're saved, buddy. You can go. Go ahead. You can go. Why do I need this building? Why do I need this church? If everybody's saved, everybody that I come in contact with and I say a prayer, you're saved. No, they got to come in just like that jailer, right? When the jail doors open and Paul and Silas, the Bible says that he believed and then he began to teach him the word and through the teaching of the word led him and his family to the water, right? It wasn't just, oh, you believe and then while he left the house, no, he sat down with them. So there has to be a change. There has to be repentance can somebody say amen amen let's give god a round of applause amen and so we have to we have to have faith we have to repent we have to be baptized all of these scriptures are in those 16 scriptures that we went over you have to do them all, church. You have to do them all. We have to do them all. But these scriptures right here pertain to us in this dispensation for our salvation. Amen. And the third one is baptism. Most of you, if not all of you guys, are baptized. Amen. 
those of you that aren't, you should really consider it. Water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ is an essential. See how it says essential right there? It doesn't say only. You know, there are a lot of people that, that uh, make uh, uh, the false claim that, oh man, you got to be baptized. And once you're baptized, they're saved. Well, that's not necessarily true. Once you're baptized, you still got to live a godly life. You can't be baptized and go run, live the world like the devil and be a certain way. It's an essential part of your salvation, but there are many parts <laughs> in your salvation, okay? Water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ is an essential part of salvation. The scripture says that it is the means by which the blood of Christ washes away your sin. And we receive forgiveness of sin through baptism in his name. Amen. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 5. That unless a man is born of water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want to read that one more time. In John chapter 3 and verse 5. The Bible says that unless, this is Jesus Christ speaking. These are his words. That's what, it blows my mind, Brother Greg, when people try to do away with these scriptures. They try to, to act as if they don't, as if they're not there. You know, I, I said it last week, all those 16 scriptures, they were written by, by prophets. They were some by Solomon, some by, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and by other people. But the other person that was in the crowd was who? Was Jesus. And I don't know about you guys. I love you guys, and I appreciate you guys, and it's till the wheels fall off. But if Jesus was here in this crowd, and everybody had an opinion, guess whose opinion I'm going to take first? Jesus's opinion right and so if Jesus is saying the word that unless a man is born of water and of spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God and I, and I say that because there are a lot of people that will they'll come and they'll say nah you don't need to do that nah you don't need to do this then why did Jesus say it if you don't need to do it Brother Greg, do you tell people at your job as a boss to do things that you don't mean? Hey, I need you to palletize that. Hey, why did you do that? Well, because you said, why well, didn't even mean it, bro? I was just kidding. Right? So I know Jesus is not coming on the scene and, and speaking about baptism and not meaning it. As a matter of fact... Didn't he himself get baptized? <laughs> so why would he say it and do it if he didn't mean it? Amen. And so the Bible says in the book of Matthew 28, 19, this is Jesus again, his words. Go, an action word, right? Go. Why are you still here? Go. And teach all nations, not some, teach all nations, baptizing them. So he told them, go teach and baptize, right? In the name of the Father 
of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so we know that name here is singular. So the name must be used in baptism, not simply the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If you study a word, you'll find out that the name of the Father is Jesus, the name of the Son is Jesus, and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. You don't baptize somebody in titles. You baptize them in the name. So you got to uh, uh, go through your word and do some work, amen, and figure out the names of these individuals. Because I'm a father, but my name is Larry. I'm a son, but my name is Larry. I'm a pastor, but my name is Larry. I'm a friend, but my name is Larry. All those other things are titles, just like these are titles. So he says to baptize in the name of those titles. Amen. Acts 2.38, the Bible says to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. Now we find in 2 Peter... where there might be a little bit of a contradiction where the Bible says that all you have to do is confess your sins and he is just and faithful to forgive you of your sins. Well, that's true. But if you look at it and you put it in its proper context, you're going to find out that that book was written to a church that was already saved, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, If you're baptized in Jesus' name, do I have to keep baptizing you every Sunday? Do I need to keep the water flowing every Sunday? No. You get baptized once, and after that, you got to confess every time you break the law. Amen? God's law. Amen. And so that scripture was written to those believers, amen, that were falling away and trying to make their way back to the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, And so... Point number four, it gives you some verses right here to study on the subject of baptism. But, you know, I thought about this before I came out here and I wrote down some scriptures right here that I want to share with you because one of the biggest things that we find in modern day Christianity right now is that that so many people are going by what the book of Romans says. A lot of people are taking salvation out of the book of Romans, like the Roman road and, and the, uh, uh, the, um, the sinner's prayer, amen. They call it the sinner's prayer, amen, and you're saved. Uh, all of those scriptures are out of the book of Romans. And I started scratching my head today, Greg, and I was thinking, well, if those individuals are taking all of those scriptures out of the book of Romans, how are they missing baptism? How are they missing it? If that's their salvation book, they, go by, they walk around with the book of Romans in their pocket. And I'm like, well, how are they missing Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5? Let's find out. Let's see what Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 says. It says, this is Paul. He says, so what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. In other words, it's not one saved, always saved. Remember, I was talking about the tent meeting where they came in, once saved, and they left, always saved. No, it doesn't work like that. Paul said, no, 
You got to change your life. You got to put down the bottle. You got to put down the pills. You got to put down the bad attitude. You got to put down the, 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 the whatever it is that doesn't measure up to God's word. You got to put it down. And so he says, so what shall we do? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? He's talking about baptism. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you and I also should walk in the newness of life. We always hear about that new birth experience. Well, there it is in the book of Romans chapter 6. In the book of John chapter 3, it says, unless a man is born again. Amen. And so we can't miss that component of the born-again experience. It's right here in the book of Romans chapter 6. In verse 5 it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, which is what? How are we in the likeness of his death? We're not going to go and physically be murdered or killed. But we are in the likeness of his death through the burial, which is baptism, okay? So for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So he's saying this, if you are united with me in this, then you're going to be united with me in this. Amen. That's what he's saying, okay? These are the progressive steps that an individual has to take. And I understand and I know. And, and some of you guys are probably saying, man, I know this already, Pastor. But do you really know it? Do you really have it down to where you can sit with an individual and explain it to them without having to say, let me get back to you. Or let me call my pastor. Or let me call Brother Greg. Or let me call brother, or, or let me call so-and-so, or let me call that sister. She's pretty good at the word. I'll call her and see what she has to say. No, we need this for us. Amen. If you know the area, Brother Greg was talking about a GPS. A lot of us know this area. So they come up to us and they say, hey, who knows where La Bamba Tacos is? I know where La Bamba Tacos is. It's up the street over here to the left, bro, right there. Yeehaw, right there, man. I don't even know the guy's name. His name is Edson. The owner. Right? Because I know. But how are we going to give direction to somebody if we don't know? We can't always take out our phone and tell. What was your question? And then read it to them. No. They're going to be like, man, you don't even know and you're inviting me to your church. Forget you. And they're going to take off. Amen. And so we need this stuff in our arsenal. Amen. To win souls. Amen. And so as I come to a close tonight with the fourth uh, progressive step, which we cannot ever forget because we need it, is the Holy Ghost.
The Holy Ghost is the comforter. How many of you have a comforter on your bed? What do you do with your comforter? Come on over here, Mill. Come on over here, Mill. You're all right. He wants to teach tonight's lesson. That's all right. He's fine, brother. Leave him alone. He's good. Amen. And so the Holy Ghost is the comforter whom Jesus sends back into the hearts as we close and souls of those who believe in him. Amen. You know, I was having a, I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago in the back room. And you know, we're hearing a lot of this, uh, we're hearing a lot of this stuff about, um, you know, how uh, I'm not trying to push the vaccine. That's your decision. That's your choice. If that's something you want to do. But we're hearing a lot about how it's the, the mark of the beast. And, and that's funny to me because as a Christian, you should know that the mark of the beast is going to come after the rapture. Not before the rapture. So if you're thinking about the mark of the beast, that's because you're not thinking about going up in the rapture. Amen. Because the mark of the beast is going to come through the tribulation period. And we're not going to be here for the tribulation period. I just messed some people all up online. Yes. Amen. And so. So I say that to say this. That if you're not prepared to go when the rapture comes, then you're not going to make it during the tribulation period. You're not going to make it. Let me tell you why. How many of you are still in this because of the Holy Ghost? Brother Lou? It's the Holy Ghost that has kept us grounded. It's the Holy Ghost that has kept us pushing through, right? We shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. We don't have power without the Holy Ghost. And so guess what's going to leave when the rapture takes place? The Holy Ghost. And so don't think for one minute that if you're not right with God, that you got another little seven years to make it right. Because the Holy Ghost is going to leave. And if you couldn't make it with the Holy Ghost, how are you going to make it without the Holy Ghost? Oh, man, I want to start preaching, brother. It blows my mind that people are like, nah, you know, they don't believe it or, or they don't think it's real or, or the Holy Ghost this or the Holy Ghost that. Let me tell you right now that if you got the Holy Ghost and you're struggling to make it, but you make it, then that's great. That's wonderful. But if you don't make it, you're not going to make it because that little bit of power that you had is gone. And so we need the Holy Ghost active in our life every day amen you thirsty mijo amen that's brother judah amen 
But you see, let's let's continue. The Holy Ghost is the comforter whom Jesus sends back into the hearts and souls of those who believe in him. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, that began on the day of Pentecost. That on that day, many people received the Holy Ghost, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, Santa Maria, received the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. By the evidence of other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And so this experience is available today and is essential. There's a lot of essentials. Do you notice that? Believing is essential. Repentance is essential. Baptism is essential. Holy Ghost is essential. Holiness is essential. Godly living is essential. Being honest is essential. Being trustworthy is essential. Oh my God, we could go down the list. Right? All these things are essential. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Again, we go to the book of Romans. Why do people keep missing this? You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That's what the Bible says. If you don't have the spirit of God in you, then you're not his. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says, John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus, said this, that he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. It is the most exciting experience that you will ever have in your life. And so as I close, I want to reflect on this portion here. That being saved from sin and ready for heaven should be our most important pursuit in life. Salvation is more valuable than wealth, fame, and life itself. And God's word is the only source we have that tells us how to receive salvation. We have to get out, church. Listen to me. We have to get out of that place where it's just because the pastor said so. And I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes online that are watching because maybe, I don't know, you're in that kind of church. But don't just take my word for it. Go back and fact check everything that I say. And if something doesn't add up, come and talk to me. Let's have a conversation 
Because I do not claim to know everything. But this right here is the only source, the only source that we have that tells us how to receive salvation. And God has chosen to place nuggets of truth here and there in His Word for us to find them. And so the purpose of these lessons is to do just that, is to find those nuggets. And so when we search out truth in its entirety and obey it, we're going to be saved. But if we don't obey it and we don't do it, we don't apply it, then the Bible says you will not be saved. Church, this is not about cutting corners. We can't cut corners and expect to make heaven our home. You're either in it or you're not. And I choose to be in it. The greatest thing that I could leave my children is not my house, is not my car, is not any kind of money. Although I'm sure they would appreciate it, right? You can have my payments if you want. But the greatest gift that I'm going to leave to my children, the greatest legacy that I'm going to leave behind is this. That if all they say is, man, one thing I remember about my dad is that he served the Lord. If that's all they remember me by, then I did my job. That my dad was a servant. My mom was a servant. Because Moses' eulogy was very brief. When his eulogy was read, all it said was, Moses, the servant of the Lord is dead it didn't talk about him leading them or standing before Pharaoh it didn't talk about him leading them through the wilderness it didn't talk about how he was uh, the uh, patriarch of that time all it said was Moses the servant of the Lord is dead and so I pray that you all take these and you covet them and you keep them and you hold on to them Next week, we're going to have lesson two there on the table, uh, ready for you to put in, uh, in your binder. Uh, Deacon Ernest Woods will be with us next Sunday, I mean next Wednesday. But uh, let us pray so we can dismiss. Father, we love you. We appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity you allow us to be in your word tonight. Father, we ask that you just continue to do a work in our life. Father God, do a work in this community. Father God, allow our our Holy Ghost, our love to radiate and to shine, Father, in this dark time. Father, and I pray that these nuggets that you have left behind, Father, fall in the place, fall in a, a good ground, Lord, so they can bear good fruit. Father, we thank you and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.